to Parse, the official podcast of the Elaheo Midyar Mir Jalali Institute of Iranian Studies at the University of Toronto. In Persian, Parse means strolling or wandering around as an observer of contemporary life and modernity. In a similar spirit, our podcast Parse aims to take our listeners on an intellectual stroll in the field of Iranian studies, where they can listen to different ideas from leading thinkers, academics, activists, and authors in the discipline. Our podcast will provide thought-provoking excerpts from lectures and seminars organized by the Iranian Studies Institute at U of D to make the extensive work we do with our partners more accessible to academics and non-academics alike across Canada and beyond. This 69th episode of Parse is an excerpt of a talk given by Mas'ud Jasbi on Persian language pedagogy focusing on definiteness and pluralization in Persian and presents several leaky generalizations that may have affected Persian language pedagogy. Jaspi suggests that a closer dialogue between theoretical linguistics and language pedagogy would reduce errors introduced by leaky generalizations and likely improve language learning in the classroom. Masoud Jaspi is the assistant professor of linguistics at UC Davis. His main areas of research include language acquisition, semantics, pragmatics, psycholinguistics, computational and experimental methods in linguistics. Um, so, um, as you know, the title is Leaky Grammars and Language Pedagogy, and um, I'm going to start with just the main argument and throughout, throughout the talk, just elaborate on this argument. Um, the first, let's say, premise of the argument or the first statement is that all grammars and grammatical generalizations leak, which means they have errors and irregularities. Um, errors and irreg irregularities are two sides of the coin. We're going to talk about that next. Um, language pedagogy that relies on explicit grammar instruction can introduce errors and biases to the learner and negatively affect the learning process. This is just the possibility, let's say a probability that this happens. Um, the question is, how much does that happen? And um, in order to minimize the errors that the explicit uh, uh, presentation of grammar can introduce, I can think of two ways. Um, one is to increase the representativeness and informativity of the learning data that we present to the students or to the learners and rely more on implicit learning. Um, as you might have noticed, I'm walking right into the implicit explicit debate, but uh, hopefully uh, um, coming out with uh, having uh, understood it better and uh, shedding more light on the debate. And second, continuously update instructional grammars to reflect the most accurate accounts available at the time. Um, what I'm trying, I'm going to argue at the end is that both of these require collaborations among th theoretical linguists and second language acquisition researchers more than there have been before and more, especially more systematically. I think there have been collaborations, but I think the ties are not it's more like individual effort of researchers and particular conferences to make that happen rather than, um, let's say, systematic link. So this is the outline of the talk. I'm going to talk about leaky grammars. I'm going to talk about language learning and pedagogy, then talk about how leaky grammars relate to pedagogy, um, talk about some case studies of leaky grammatical generalizations in Persian, 
um, and then finally some possible solutions. Um, first, leaky grammars. Um, this expression comes from Edward Sapir's language book, and here is the full, um, let's say, quote. Uh, in order to shed light on what he really meant, at least he meant by leaky grammar, um, generations of linguists have used it differently since him. Uh, so he says, the randomness of the expression of plurality in such words as books, ox and sheep and geese is felt to be rather more, I fancy, an unavoidable and traditional predicament than a, than a welcome luxuriance. I didn't know luxuriance as a word, but it seems like it was at that time. It is obvious that a language cannot go beyond a certain point in this randomness. Uh, many languages go incredibly far in this respect, it is true, but linguistic history shows conclusively that sooner or later, the less frequently occurring associations are ironed out at the expense of the more vital ones. In other words, all languages have an inherent tendency to economy of expression, and that's what he means by grammar. Uh, where this tendency entirely inoperative, there would be no grammar, the fact of grammar, a universal trait of language, is simply a generalized expression of the feeling that analogous concepts and relations are most conveniently symbolized in analogous forms. Were a language ever completely grammatical, it would be a perfect engine of concept, ex conceptual expression, uh, expression. Unfortunately, or luckily, no language is tyrannically consistent, all grammars leak. So in this context, um, there is a different, I mean, if you've heard grammars leak before, you might have heard of it in a different context or different meaning of grammar. So there are two different grammars typically uh, in the uh, kind of fam famous expression. The grammar um, can be uh, first the actual grammar of a language. This is what really Sapir meant. The second one is grammar as a linguistic hypothesis about the structure of a language. And um, um, Sapir really meant that natural languages are, in fact, somewhat irregular, not that our theories of grammar are incorrect, but future like linguists after him have used the all grammars leak to say that um, a, a linguist's grammar as a hypothesis about the structure of language is always wrong um, and always has errors. This is understandable because that's the case uh, for any mo scientific model that you build. Um, it's wrong in interesting ways, and um, uh, it has errors, so there's no way um, out of that. That's what I mean by leaky grammars. Um, so next, I'm going to make explicit some of the assumptions I have regarding language learning and pedagogy. Um, this is um, partly informed by current research in cognitive science and the way we are thinking of the human mind, and typically the analogy is that of a machine. Um, so what I'm going to talk about next is the basic components of a language learning system. Um, this can be um, the same in humans or machines. So if you're thinking of um, a child or an adult or um, GPT a systems learning language, the same principles apply. Um, they typically have the following basic components. One is the linguistic data. Important to point that I point out that the linguistic data is typically a sample that is presented to the learner. Um, and this sample can have different properties that biases, biases the learning process. Um, the learner's model, so the learner having seen the data builds a model of the phenomenon observed. Different systems build different types of models. 
and we're trying to figure out what humans build as they get the linguistic data. Um, then there's the learner's linguistic behavior. Um, that behavior is assessed or evaluated, evaluated um, in terms of when we think of machines, the evaluation would be um, metrics of how far away um, uh, from the target, uh, let's say, production it, uh, the production of the machine has been. Uh, sometimes it's called the loss function uh, that is used to figure out how much, how erroneous was the production. In a context of a class, typically the teacher might um, point out how erroneous the production was. And finally, um, feedback. Here I'm using feedback as separate from assessment or evaluation, meaning the feedback helps the learner know what it should update in its representations to be able to uh, improve their linguistic capacities or uh, their productions in the future. Uh, in the context of machine learning, this turns into um, uh, calculating the amount of error and then sending back signals to the different parts of the machine to know where things have to be updated, what parameters have to be changed um, for better performance of the machine. Now, there can't the, the basic version, which is, um, let's say, what we assume kids more or less have, and a lot of the uh, machine learning systems have, is learning without pedagogy. Um, in this type of learning, um, everything um, is on the learner. All the components, there is no teacher, the learner is in charge of all the components. So they gather their own linguistic data. They derive uh, learning generalizations from the data. Um, they have to produce linguistic behavior themselves. So they're kind of probably possibly more limited. And they have to assess their own behavior and then provide feedback to themselves. Um, there is no one really intervening in the process, helping them. Um, um, or let's say hinder them, but typically with a pedagogical system, you exp uh, expect helping. Um, then there is learning with pedagogy that is over and above the basic, we can call this implicit, the previous one, implicit learning. And with, in learning with pedagogy, a teacher can intervene in any component here to enhance the learning efficiency. So really the goal is the, the role of a teacher um, let's say mentor, supervisor, called different things in different areas of um, learning theory, is to intervene in one of these components in a way that improves behavior, improves the learning process. So the learner can provide better data. So the data is no longer randomly selected by the learner, but rather uh, someone with better knowledge is handpicking the data that would result in the best learning process. Um, they can directly provide grammatical generalizations. So instead of the learner observing data, which might need a lot of it, in order to arrive at a grammatical generalization, um, the teacher can um, or supervisor can just give them the generalization and say, use it. This is what we're going to focus on for the rest of the talk. The teacher can also elicit linguistic behavior in ways that the learner cannot do on, the, on their own. Um, then they can design targeted assessment for areas that the teacher might think the learner lacks knowledge. So this is more um, sometimes in the machine learning literature called adversarial testing, where um, you are trying to kind of trick uh, the system so that they, the system learns about their um, um, shortcomings. And finally, provide feedback 
um, to the learner uh, in ways that the learner might not know themselves. So what is going wrong with the system in the learning process? The teacher can provide feedback that the learner cannot have by their own. Um, what I want to say is that I think one, three, four, and five are present in all approaches to pedagogy. Um, I have not seen uh, learning approaches, and this might be due to lack of my lack of knowledge in um, second language acquisition. But I typically it seems like if you go to different types of approaches to language teaching, you have different ways of intervening in one, three, four, and five. What is controversial is two. Do you wanna, um, like no one, what I'm saying is no one really thinks that you shouldn't pick the better data for the learner, better examples for your class. Everyone wants to do that, they might disagree on that. Um, for two though, people disagree on whether, some people at least disagree on whether you wanna explicitly provide grammatical generalizations and have grammar lessons or not. Um, so this is the implicit versus explicit grammar instruction debate. Um, there are two approaches, as I said. Implicit approach says, hey, present the data and let the learner drive the generalizations themselves. You shouldn't be teaching grammar. And the explicit approach says, present the grammatical rules explicitly and, and allow the learner to use these explicit teachings to produce linguistic behavior. Um, as far as I know from the literature, um, previous um, studies, uh, sorry, uh, it's a mistake there. Studies seem to suggest that uh, the explicit approach is more effective. So there are a lot of studies trying to um, compare these two different approaches. And the conclusion, at least so far, seems to be that the explicit teaching of grammar does have a positive effect in the learning outcome, even though I think there could be more studies to better control uh, different aspects of the, uh, of the teaching scenario to really zero in on how much more the explicit teaching is getting us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parse. Your support is invaluable to us. To like, share, or listen to our latest episodes, please head to our pages on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. To watch the complete seminars, please head to the Elaheo Midyar Mirjalali Institute for Iranian Studies website and YouTube page, which are linked in the description. See you again on our next episode.